I could just stay in worship, amen? If you're taking notes, today's message, if you could write this down, it's titled, Being Comfortable in Uncomfortable. I know, proper, you know, just get used to it. It's not, it's not going to happen in this church. We're just going to mess up. It should be being comforted in your discomfort, right? But we're not going to use the rules of grammar today. So today's message is titled, Being Comfortable in Uncomfortable. So, Last night I was putting some things together. I asked my wife who was sitting there on a computer. I said, you know, how do you really say these words? Is it comfortable and uncomfortable? Because I don't say it that way. I say comfortable and uncomfortable. You know, so I'm just going to stick to it. So the, whichever way you say how do you guys say it? Comfortable? All right. Who says comfortable? Nobody here says comfortable? It just sounds weird, right? Well, I say, I say comfortable, uncomfortable, and I'm going to mess it up because I'm thinking about it so much that who knows how I'm going to say it. But I don't know if you've ever put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. Um, I have. I do. I'm a very uncomfortable person at times. I'm someone that you can call awkward. I'm someone that you could call, some of you are smiling at me or green. I'm going to knock you all out. <laughs> Help me out here. But some of you can easily call me awkward or you just make situations sometimes uncomfortable and I'm just really good at making things weird real quick and um, it's just an awesome gift that I have. I'm not as weird and as uncomfortable as some of my other friends and some other people that I know but I could say that sometimes I can cause things to be uncomfortable by what I say or what I do and my wife could be proof of that when she looks at me and just shakes her head when we're in a crowd of people like that wasn't normal for someone of your age. So, so I get it. I get it. You know, it's very easy to find ourselves as well just feeling awkward, you know, when things don't go as planned and the way that we plan it. It just, we could feel very awkward. Or when we get involved, when we get involved in a situation that we don't desire to even be in in the first place, and I could pro you probably could relate to me and say, man, you, you definitely feel heavy discomfort during those moments where I should not even be in this situation. How did I get myself into this mess? What in the world am I doing here? Discomfort, discomfort. Dis I'm sure some of you could, could relate. But, you know, there, there's a people that do well, though, when, when they work under pressure. When, when people are, how many of you work well under pressure when you're pressed? All right, some of you guys are like, no, I need like, time to do stuff. Some of you guys, no. I wait till like the last day, the last second, the last minute. Um, I, it's funny. Watch this. Ready? I don't work good with both. I don't work good under pressure and I don't work good with time. I'm just like, I'm just an awkward person. Any awkward people in here? All right. Awesome. Um, my wife's one that she'll wait for the last minute, the last day, the last second, and then she develops a masterpiece. And I'm like, how? What the heck? When did, what, what time? How did you do that? And she just has that gift. My mother-in-law is very good at telling her, you always wait for the last day, Nancy. And um, she just always pulls off something on the last day in the last second. I don't think I have the gift that she has. But I'm not necessarily just talking about that kind of comfort or uncomfort. Um, I'm talking about feeling pain. Feeling pain in your life or feeling pain in something. Maybe it's a mental and even physical discomfort in the midst of what you're facing. I don't know if that rings a bell to some of you. Maybe you're feeling unease. I'm going to go back to that word awkward, right? Using, using that word awkward in this sentence. Maybe just awkward about a whole entire situation that you're in. Because I believe that we would all sign up to feel constant relaxation. I think we would all sign up for that. People that know me close, if I were to ask you, what is an ideal day in my life of total relaxation? A person that knows me well will say this, ready? In his pajamas, on his couch, watching television, specifically sports. That's an ideal, just, and watch sports. That, that, that just makes me comfortable. And if we're baking cookies, I would love to have warm cookies in the process of experiencing that couch in my pajamas, watching a football game. That's just me. For some of you, my wife, that makes her uncomfortable. My wife is comfortable when she has things to do. She's got to go somewhere. She, and I'm totally opposite. I'm like, no, no, one day. Let's just have one whole day of rest. And she's like, I don't know how to rest. I need to party. 
Maria, my line. My wife is total extreme than I am. I'm tired. She's tired, filled with energy. It doesn't make sense. And it's just funny the way life is and how we all treat things differently. But my wife's constant relaxation will totally be different than my constant relaxation. Her constant relaxation is awesome. We're going to go to the mall, then after the mall, we're going to go shopping, after shopping, I'm going to get something for Jackson, and then for the Jackson, I'm going to go to my mother's house, my mother's house, I'm going to go to this person, and then I'm like, that's not relaxation. For her, I was like, yes, I conquered everything. I'm relaxed now. For me, it's like, that's so stress. That's, that's not good. I need oxygen machine. <laughs> me and my wife are totally different in that area. But maybe, I, well, forget maybe. I, I know that many of us, some of the men here will give me an amen for this where we would be physically and mentally at ease, constant relaxation, I'm sure we'll be the first ones to sign up. Right, all men? All the men will be like, yeah. Football Sunday after church, go home, the cookies sound good, going to go to the couch. Honey, did you hear Pastor Rigo's message? And we're going to fulfill that today. <laughs> Let's get into the message a little bit. Being comfortable and uncomfortable. The word uncomfortable means this. Uncomfortable for some of you means this. Ready? Causing or feeling slight pain or physical discomfort, feeling unease or awkwardness, everything I just said to you. Pain, physical discomfort, unease, awkwardness. There's so many people in Scripture that were just so awkward. There were so many people in Scripture that just went through awkward situations. There's so many people in Scripture that could, that could say, yes, I know what it is to endure through pain. And I know what it is to endure through discomfort. Forget endure. I know what it is to live every single day of my life in an awkward moment, in a discomfort, in constant pain. All over Scripture, you always find people like pain, tears, hurt. Me, sign me up. That's my life like every single day. We see people like that in Scripture all the time. Everywhere. Everywhere in Scripture. You know, Paul is someone that I've preached a lot about in this because he wrote a third of the New Testament. You know, 13 out of the 21 epistles are written from Paul, so it's pretty hard not to mention Paul in your preachings. But Paul is someone that was very open in his discomfort. I'm going to fly through two verses. Watch the discomfort in these verses. Ready? And this is just like minor ones. I didn't even get into the major ones because I've preached them so much already that I was like, I'm not even going to use those. But look at this. In Philippians 3.10, it says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power. The mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. That's weird, man. That's awkward. Who the heck wants to suffer? Paul's like, I want to suffer with him. I want to share in his death, he says in the same verse. Verse 11, he says, so that one way or another, I will then experience the resurrection from the dead. I want to experience what that is to suffer for Christ. And I want to experience the mighty power of him as well. Through my su- Guys, through my suffering, I want to experience his power. It almost doesn't make sense. Paul's like, I know, I know what it is to receive power. And the way that I receive power, it's in the midst of suffering. If I never went through suffering, I would never be able to experience the power of God. So sign me up where I can suffer so then I could experience power. It's awkward. It's weird. Guys, when I read this kind of verse, it's uncomfortable. Because do I really want to get on my knees and just be like, Lord, I want to experience your power. While suffering. Doesn't make sense. It's weird. It's, it's strange. It's uncomfortable for me to pray. It's uncomfortable for me to admit this. It's, it's uncomfortable for me to grasp what Paul is trying to say here. Then he writes to the church of Rome in Romans 8.17. And look what he says in Romans. He says this. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Come on, everyone. Amen, right? Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. But if we are to share his glory, hallelujah, we must also share in his suffering. Oh, no. Yeah. Paul's like, I'm an heir. I reign with Christ. I experience God's glory. And if I'm going to share in God's glory, then I must also share in his suffering. I experience glory in suffering. I experience power when I suffer. Hey, hey, I I experience more of Jesus when I see myself 
in uncomfortable things and moments in my life. Paul understood what it meant to live in discomfort. Paul understood. And he understood what it meant to live in discomfort. But watch this. He understood what it meant to live in discomfort while finding comfort in it. Man, I hope you could get this today, man. I'm going to try not to cry today because I cried so much in worship. But if I cry, just bear with me because this word really means a lot to me for many reasons. He understood what it meant to live in discomfort while finding comfort in it. It's just weird. I just want to let that register. I want to let that soak in. So I started to think about, well, I know what uncomfortable means now. So if I'm going to live uncomfortable, how do I find comfort in it? I want to know what the word comfort means. So the word comfortable means this. Providing physical ease and relaxation. Physation? What am I saying? Providing physical ease and relaxation. But you know why I started to read the definition of comfortable? And you know what else it says? It says this. It also says this. Mind you, it's Mickey Mouse. Don't judge me. But one of the things that comfortable means, I'm not trying to be the Pope or anything like that. (laughs) I'm I'm not trying to do that right now. But one of the things that comfortable means is this. It means a warm quilt. A warm quilt. Just a warm quilt. So, so here's Paul, and he's talking about uncomfortable moments in his life. But in the uncomfortable moments, he's been able to, he's been able to enjoy it all with a warm quilt. He, he's been able to live in uncomfortable moments while experiencing comfort in the uncomfortable, in discomfort. I know for a fact today, many of you, many of you could relate. Because I know for a fact that there are many marriages in here that are so discomforted right now. And I know there are so many Christians right now that you walked in with a smile, but behind that smile there is so much misery right now. Come on. And I know there are some of you, man, God, with children in this place right now. Oh, my God. I'm not even going to get into the children, but my goodness, there is so much pain right now. But then we come to church, and I got to let everyone know that everything's okay. And I want to say, where in the Bible does it say that? Where in the Bible does it say to lie and smile and pretend like everything's okay? Where in the Bible does it say to put a front? And I know that there's some of you in here that are hurting so bad. I know there are some of you in here that have... Oh, my God, you haven't been able to feel a big old deep breath in such a long time. I know there are some of you in here that know exactly what I'm talking about because your life is a constant life of discomfort. Your life is a constant life of short breaths. Your life is a constant life of pain. Your life is a constant life of suffering. Your life is a constant life of prayer. God, when will I get out of this? Your life is constantly, but when you come here and you see everyone, you have to take a deep breath and say, here it is. Let's do it one more Sunday and you smile and you say you're okay and you play the piano and you play the drums and you sing a song and you do an announcement and you collect an offering, you even give a tithe and deep down inside of you there's a cry, there's a yell there's a help me, there's I'm crying there's I'm filled with pain, there's a suffering, there's a cold day there's bitterness and God's like oh my God do I have a warm quilt to shower you with I know some of you can relate to this I know some of you can get this. I know that some of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. And here's Paul, and he knew how to put on a warm quilt that the Lord gives on cold days. He understood it. When the God of all comfort, right, (laughs) leads us in the uncomfortable. (laughs) See, 
A lot of churches don't want to preach that kind of message. A lot of churches don't want to tell you those kind of things. A lot of churches don't want to tell you that part of living a Christian is to live the rest of your life uncomfortable, but while experiencing comfort in it. But we're going to speak the truth here. Because you might come and you might give your life to Christ maybe tonight, today, and this might be the day that your life totally, I mean, you've been in Christ for years, but today's going to be the day that you really get saved, whatever you want to call it. You have an experience. And it might just be your warning sign of it doesn't mean that your days will get better. It doesn't mean that your days will get warmer. It doesn't mean that the temperature will rise. It doesn't mean any of that. All it is is that God will never let you go one day without clothing you with a warm quilt. You will still experience cold days, but you will experience a warm quilt. That's the true gospel. That's it. That's the truth. The truth is that sometimes things don't get warmer. Actually, they grow bitter. Actually, the family gets worse. Actually, the marriage just crumbles. Actually, the kid never changes. Actually, my job just doesn't change. Actually, the car that I drive in, it's a facade. I drive a nice car, but it's the person that's driving it. There's nothing nice about that guy. There's nothing nice about this girl. Everything about my life, it's fake. It's a facade. It's not real. It's, discom- it's uncomfortable. It's filled with discomfort. And God says, right, when you're a Christian, some of those things might not change, but there's one thing that will change forever. You will never wake up and you will never walk through another day of discomfort naked again. I will clothe you with a warm quilt. And sometimes all we need to hear, sometimes you don't have to be lied to and I don't have to stand over here and I don't have to preach a false gospel so that the church can grow and so that we can be amazing. Sometimes all you need to know is tomorrow's going to suck just like today, but there's a warm quilt in Jesus Christ, your Lord. That's all we need to hear sometimes. Sometimes all you need to hear to go one day is Jesus will give me what I need yet again right now. And that's good enough for me. That's fine. Because there's going to be a day that I get to heaven and there will be no more sun and there will be no more moon and there will be no more stars because Christ is its light. And until the day I enter eternity in the warmth of Jesus, I'm okay with cold days on earth with my warm quilt. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, Lord, man. And the God of all comfort leads us in uncomfortable. You know, Joseph's life, I mean, of course, well, of course, Joseph. What a very interesting life. Joseph's life in the book of Genesis is one of many twists and many turns, one in which if we were to live, I wonder if we'd last, if we would even keep our faith. I think about Joseph's life, and I don't even know where to start off with the life of Joseph. A quick summary of Joseph, just in case someone here doesn't know who Joseph is. Joseph was the son of a man named Jacob, and he was the son of his father's old age. So Jacob loved him more, the Bible says, than any of his other brothers. Jacob loved him more than any of his other sons because he was his son, his young son from his old age. And Jacob did something for his son Joseph. He made special clothing, special garments for Joseph in which he didn't make the other 11 brothers. And you could just imagine living under a household of 12 brothers and one of them always gets the nice apparel. One of them always gets the nicest shoes. One of them always eats the nicest meals. And you kind of just get served like the, his leftover clothes. Stuff doesn't fit him anymore. The food eat from his leftovers. But you always give him the best, and dad, you never give us the best. And that's kind of what Jacob did with Joseph. He made him a tunic of many colors, uh, in layman's terms, just a very decorative robe. And his brothers grew very jealous of him, of Joseph, and they hated him. The Bible says that Joseph's brothers couldn't even speak peaceably to him. Every time they spoke to Joseph, they cursed at him. They hated him. They always 
spoke negative towards him. There was nothing good in the relationship between young Joseph and his 11 older brothers, always speaking hatred towards them. Then one day, he's 17 years old. He's young. And Joseph is out at 17 years old, and he's feeding the flock. And he sees his brothers. And in Genesis 37, verse 6 and 7, it says that he runs to his brothers. And he says this, listen, guys, I had a dream, and I want to share it with you. We were all out in the field, and we were gathering bundles of wheat. And all of a sudden, my bundle stood straight up. And your bundles circled around mine and bowed down to mine. <laughs> yeah, that, that made the situation any better. What are you trying to say, Joseph, that we're going to worship you? Yeah. You're all going to bow down and worship me. You're only 17. Don't make me do what I want to do to you, Joseph. Scripture says right after that that his brothers, after he shared this with them, hated him even more. So the, the hatred grew. The anger grew. The bitterness grew towards Joseph. And you'd think Joseph would, would stop it, right? You'd think Joseph would get it through his head. Yo, stop talking about your dreams. Huh? Keep them to yourself, buddy. But Joseph doesn't do that. He doesn't learn. He's young. He's kind of stubborn, kind of prideful in a sense. He kind of wants to let his brothers know, huh? Eh, you, know you might say these things about me, but I'm having dreams that you're all going to kind of like worship me, so you can do whatever you want, you know? And Joseph didn't get it through his skull. He didn't get it in his brain of his. So a few verses later, it talks about another time he has a dream. And again, he, he runs up to his brothers in verse 9 of chapter 37. And it says he had a dream, and he told this one to his brothers and to his father. He said, guys, I dreamed another dream, and look at this. The sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to me. And the father's like, so what do you mean, Joseph? Mom, dad, and your brothers will all bow down to you one day? He's like, you know, he's 17. He's like, yeah, isn't it a cool dream? And all the brothers are like, no, it's not. We're going to kill you. And dad is looking at him like, it's not. You need to shut up. They're going to kill you, and you know I love you more than them. It was just a very weird situation around the dinner table. He would run over. He would sit down. He would tap the glass. Ding, 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 ding. I had another dream, and everyone was like, shut up, Joseph. That's how his life was every single day. In verse 10 and 11, it goes on to say in Genesis 37 that his brothers grew even more jealous, really jealous of him by this time. So what happens to Joseph's life? Now it's where it gets interesting. He's young. So what does the brothers do? Let's plan this out. Let's kill our young brother Joseph. So they're about to kill Joseph, and instead one brother steps out, giving you a summary, can't give you all the details right now. So they see a bunch of midnight traders walking through, traveling. So they say, I get it. Let's, let's sell him to some traders. So they sell Joseph like he's... Like he's an animal. They sell Joseph like he's worth nothing. Like he's no human worth. He's insignificant. So what they did to Joseph was they took off his beautiful decorative robe. Remember the one that his dad made him? With his own hands? That none of the other brothers had? He took his tunic and the brothers, they, they dipped it in blood of a wild beast. And they ran to their father and they pretended that they were crying. And they said, Dad, Dad, we have news. Our brother Joseph was killed by a wild beast. Here's his robe. Here's his tunic. Here's the clothes that you made and loved him with. And, and dad, he's no longer alive. He's dead. They killed him. Here is his blood. His dad was broken and was mourning and ripped off his clothes and threw himself to the sand, to the ground. But Joseph's life continues to go on. What a horrible, what a start of a miserable life. Talk about going into your adult year with success, huh? Your family just sold you to a bunch of traders traveling from one land to another. So then these traders reach a place in Egypt and they find one of Pharaoh's mighty officers by the name of Potiphar. And they do a deal with Potiphar. And this man, Joseph, young man, now gets sold to Potiphar as one of his slaves. He now becomes a slave. He was his father's favorite son. And now he becomes a slave to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's guards. 
a slave in Egypt, being a Hebrew. Not good. Not comfortable, that's for sure. Not pleasant, that's for sure. Listen to me, church. Not ease, that's for sure. Not a warm quilt, that's for sure. Very negative outcomes here. Very, uh, what a down, what a spiral of his life. So he's living in Potiphar's, Potiphar's house. And what do you know? Potiphar's wife starts to get an eye for him. She wants to lay with him. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. You're my boss's wife. I'm smarter than that. I'm not going to do that. He continued to say no to her. So she found it reasonable just to do one thing. To begin to scream and grab onto his clothes and scream rape, sexual assault, and he runs out naked and everyone sees him. So of course they're going to take her side that he tried to rape her, sexually assault her. All because he denies to sleep with her. My goodness, can it get any worse for, for Joseph? It does. Because now he gets thrown into a prison. And as he's in prison, there's Joseph. God has a plan for his life. But it's pretty uncomfortable to see. It's pretty weird to read it and to recognize well, what the heck is God's plan for Joseph's life because it doesn't look too good to me. It doesn't look fair enough to me. But yet God has a plan for Joseph's life this whole time. All I see is negative Negative outcome. Yes, there's some positive. Yes, there's some favor in Potiphar's house. Yes, there's some favor in the prison. But there's a lot of negative that outweigh a lot of the positive. And it goes over and over of more and more negative stuff. And when I look at the life of Joseph, all I could say is, my goodness, talk about pain. Talk about discomfort. Talk about unease. Talk about awkwardness. Talk about being uncomfortable. My gosh, Joseph's life. But you know, his story doesn't end there. It doesn't end in prison. In prison, he's walking around to hear people say he has dreams. What a funny, huh? That a dreamer becomes an interpreter of dreams. And Joseph begins to interpret dreams. He begins to find favor in prison, and people were wild by his ability to tell people what their dreams mean. And eventually, this dreamer and this dreamer interpreter gets to Pharaoh's ears, and Pharaoh is having some very bad, dark, negative dreams, some bad dreams. So Pharaoh calls Joseph to come and see him. And he tells Joseph, this is the dreams I'm having. And Joseph says, King, God has revealed it to me, what it is. And Pharaoh finds favor upon Joseph and he takes Joseph out of prison. Listen to this. And he makes him second in command, pretty much the prime minister of Egypt. Pharaoh gives him charge over all of Egypt. Hey, as a matter of fact, Joseph, I'm Pharaoh, right? Whatever you say, Joseph, I'll be okay and I'll put a stamp on it. I trust you. All of Egypt is under your control and under your rule. As a matter of fact, when people would come up to Joseph, you know what they would tell Joseph? You're just like Pharaoh. You're equal to him. That's how powerful this uncomfortable life of a young man became. Charge of all of Egypt. But here's what's amazing. Follow with me. Because in about a few minutes, I'm going to wrap this message up. Here's what's amazing. There's a famine in the land. Everyone's really poor. No one has food. Everyone's dying. It's a famine for seven years. Guess who's dying? Guess who needs food? Joseph's dad, Jacob, who thinks he's dead. Joseph's 11 brothers who sold them to slavery. And the only place that they could find survival at, come here church, don't miss this as I get ready to wrap up this message. The only place where they could find help in is going back to Egypt, ringing the bell to speak to Pharaoh's right-hand man. And little did they know that the one who would open up the door would be their very own brother who would Help them survive the famine that they are currently in. Just, just, just flow with me for a moment. So after a few encounters with their brothers, they don't know it's him yet. And he can't hold it because when you read the, 
The scriptures multiple times, Joseph needs to leave from his brothers and cry in a chamber by himself and weep because he doesn't want his brothers to see him cry. And he cleans himself up. The Bible even goes to say that he throws water on his face and remakes his face like the Egyptians probably used to do and walks right back into the room and tries to be mean to them again to put up a front. So finally, Joseph couldn't take it anymore. And he reveals to his brothers, guys, it's me, it's Joseph. And they begin to hug and they begin to kiss. Years of bitterness. Years of being uncomfortable. Being accused of rape. Being thrown into a black hole. Being sold as a slave. Being thrown into prison. Years of torture. Years of discomfort. Years of unease. Years of awkwardness. Finally, he reveals to his brothers, it's me, it's Joseph. But you know what's amazing about this story? What he tells them. This is really my message for today. Up on the screen. And this is what Joseph tells his brothers. Don't feel bad. Don't blame yourselves for selling me. Come on. God. God was behind it. God sent me here ahead of you to save lives. There has been a famine in the land now for two years. And the famine will continue for five more years. Look what he says. God sent me on ahead to pave the way and make sure there was a remnant in the land to save your lives in an amazing act of deliverance. My God, my God, my God. So do you see, he says, it wasn't you who sent me here. Come on, church. It wasn't you, but it was who? He looks at his brothers and he says, but it was God. He sent me as a place, and to this place as a father to Pharaoh. And he put me in charge of all personal affairs. And he made me the ruler of the most powerful country in the world, Egypt. Church, when you read this passage, we must understand that if God still wills, he could still work in the same manner today. He could still do the same story of Joseph in your life today. If God wills it, he could still work in this way. And maybe you're here and you came to church and you had no idea what was going to be preached today, but... You've asked Jesus, you've cried out to God, and, and in confusion and in pain, in mental and physical discomfort, in that word that we're using, in awkwardness, in unease, this is what you've been praying for how long? Come on. God, God, how long will I continue to serve you? And yet continue to feel like you're not there. Come on, how many of you have, have cried that out? How much longer do I serve you and serve you and serve you, but I don't feel you, I don't feel you, I don't feel you, but I'm still serving you. Come on, I don't feel like you're not there. And the Lord looks at you today and he says to you, wait a minute, I've always been there in the midst of your discomfort. I showed you favor, remember that? You forgot about all that favor? In the midst of your of your weakness, you found strength. Who do you think gave you that strength to give you strength to go on one more day? That was me. In the midst when you doubted, who do you think gave you faith one more day to keep going? And God's like, it was me. I gave you faith for one more day. Who, who do you think it was if it wasn't me? I made you comfortable in your uncomfortable. I gave you comfort in your discomfort. I provided ease and I provided relaxation. I gave you the warmth quilt on cold days. Who else do you think gave it to you? It was me. And they were like, oh, I'm sorry for praying like that. And God's like, it's me. Yes, yes your cold day sucks. And who knows if you'll ever get out of it. But who do you think clothes you? Who do you think dressed you again? Who do you think put on the garments of warmth again? So like Joseph, 
We're in prayer. Look what he tells his brothers. Ready? God was behind this. God is behind it. Come on, let's look at Joseph's life for a second. God is behind it, brothers, so that through it, I can save lives. Have you ever thought that maybe your discomfort, yeah, it sucks for you that you have to bear that, but have you ever thought this? That part of the reason it was given just to you is because through you, God's going to save someone else. My God. That through your cold night and through your cold day, someone was going to clothe someone favorably, but he knew that there was something in you that could endure that coldness. It doesn't mean that God sucked. I, I, you might be like, I'm so mad at this pastor because he says the word sucks today so many times. I'm, I, I'm just trying to speak to you the way I would speak to you if you were in my living room. No. I'm not trying to be correct. So take correctness out of the... Out of, I'm just I'm sharing my heart with you. So I'll try to use another word. But, but I want you to be honest. Like, I've been given this stuff and I've had to endure through this stuff and I've had to live through this stuff. And God's like, right. But just like Joseph, some of this stuff that has been given to you is to touch souls. It's to save lives. Listen, listen. That in someone else's famine, come here, famine, that God will use you to help deliver them. Because your night is cold. Come on, describe your coldness right now in your heart. Don't say it out loud because for some of us it's shameful maybe to say it. But come here. Who really cares how shameful it is? If God is the one that is leading you through it. Your greatest shame could be someone else's deliverance. Your greatest discomfort could be someone else's cloth of warmth. Your greatest pain could be that for someone else to save them, to deliver them, to give them food in their hunger. And some of us will never understand this. That our greatest discomfort can actually be someone else's salvation. My God. Joseph, you needed to be discomfort. You needed to endure through uncomfortable moments. Because in your discomfort and in uncomfortable, you were going to be someone else's blessing. You were going to help someone else live. You were going to be someone else's deliverance and salvation. So today, as your pastor and as your brother, I look at you in the eyes. And I could say, you, might ju you just might be someone else's warm quilt on a cold day. And you had no idea. Why me, God? The real answer is, why not me, God? Some of you, some of you, can clothe people in ways I can't and the person next to you can some of you could look at my brother and say I know what you're going through and brother I have a story to tell you man let me tell you about my life and my discomfort could become my brother's comfort some of us never looked at it that way that my greatest pain, my greatest hurt could be someone else's salvation and say, oh, your church and your pastor, maybe that guy doesn't get it, but, but let me tell you a story about me. I could dress you up in my story right now. Some of us will never understand that. Some of us might never catch that. Some of us might never use what God's given us for his glory. Sometimes we wave it around and for people that don't understand, it looks like a curse. But when God is glorified in it, you can look at them and say, how much of a curse is it now? When I just saved and I delivered people that were in the greatest famine of their lives. Church, I want to tell you this, it's not the end. 
because God is behind it. Can you say that to yourself right now? Say it to yourself. God is behind it. You might feel awkward. You might feel discomfort. You might feel pain. But come on, church. Come with me and do this. Ready? Put on the warm quilt today. Because God is behind it. God's behind it. So I'm going to put on the warm quilt because God's behind it. And I know, church, I know what it is to be blessed by someone else's discomfort. So I have the authority to speak like this today. I do. God's given me the authority to preach this message today. Because I know what it is to be blessed by someone else's discomfort. They might never understand it, but it's blessed me eternally. I know what it is to be changed. I know what it is to be saved. I know what it is to be delivered. Because someone else shared to me their pain. And their pain just became my greatest blessing. They go home and they sleep with their pain. But I go home and I wave their pain around. Because it changed me forever. See, I could speak to you like that today. Because I'm not being a hypocrite. I've experienced that. So Joseph is now saving. Joseph is now delivering. Joseph is now blessing. Joseph is now easing his brothers in the midst of their pain. In the midst of their discomfort, he's clothing them. I look at the life of Joseph and I say, he found a warm quilt in their cold days and it was him. So today I can tell my uncomfortable things. Hey, uncomfortable, it wasn't you. And it wasn't anyone else who sent me here, but it was God. And God is behind it. And God sent me here ahead to save lives in my uncomfortable. Yes, there's a famine in people's lives, but God sent me. Come on, church. And he sent me ahead to pave the way and to make sure that there was a remnant in the land to save these people. Hey, church, find comfortable in uncomfortable today. You might be the one that God is going to use to deliver someone in their greatest pain. Find your quilt today. Find your quilt. Because life is not promised warm days. Don't we wish? Sometimes our lives would just remain cold forever. But what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? You're going to walk away from God? Because the temperature dropped tomorrow? You're going to turn? The temperature might never change. I never get warm again. But I know one thing God does promise. It doesn't matter. Because I'll make sure I give it to you. And you might be waiting for a warmer day when in reality what I need to pray for and what I need to look for is not warmer day. It's just a warmer quilt. That's enough for me. That's good enough for me. Some Christians paint a picture of a beautiful life. Right? I wish I had airplay here. I'll say that quote. And in reality, the truth is, it's just a beautiful life. Can you imagine if churches really start preaching this? Can you imagine if I could just say, I don't have the answer? 
but I could have put on a warm coat. So we, so I'm a Christian, and you follow me on Instagram. If you don't, you should. You should follow me. But you follow me. And as you follow me, I wish I could put this on airplay because I'm going to put myself on blast. What do you see? It's a beautiful life. Look at my Instagram feed, y'all. Pastor Regal, pastor of New Life. I'm having brunch with the leaders of our church. Please. I'm worshiping in the front row of church. Please. My son. Oh, wow. These people are amazing here at this church. This is the best church in America. No, no, no. I love those guys there, but this, this, this is excellent. You can leave it. My son looking up at, at the trees of the Lorax. Don't, don't move it. Follow me. I'm sticking a, a light in someone's mouth. Wow, what an awesome preacher. Come on. I'm enjoying the beautiful sand with my son. What an awesome father. What an awesome. If you only knew that that picture was edited. Yeah. It's really not even that beautiful in real life. There was people behind me. There was seaweed on the floor. But I want you to see that it was beautiful. Because I live a beautiful life, right? Please. Please, bro. Save it for someone else that's going to leave. going to the picture feed like wow look at that they love each other in that church yeah half the time when they're not bickering about one another they do love each other wow look at him with his nephew and his son picking up his son from school priority first wow look at him him and his wife goals perfect marriage yeah okay you believe that picture Wow, look at my father and my son. That's pretty awesome. Boy. Wow, look at the mentors in his life. Wow, his son with a bunch of ducks. He must take him to cool places. Look at his church. It must be amazing. Look at all the series they do. Look at the graphics. Look at this. It's about families. They're dedicating them. Look at them on 4th of July. What a beautiful family. Look at them with friends. Look at them talking about life. You don't know how many times and how many times we pose for that picture. But wow, he's talking to his son about life. Yeah, right. Look at this. Look at this. God give me Pastor Regal's life. I, wow, he went to New York. When was the last time I went to New York? It was paid for for my job, so that's why I went. I'm being honest. Because I don't have money right now to go to New York. But you didn't know that. I sure I didn't put that in the caption. Look at that. Can you imagine? You can stop it. If I put a picture up there, and I can say, I'm going to tell you how brutal my life is today. My wife cooked dinner today and it stank. My wife came home today and we fought. Here's a picture of us fighting. God is good. Come on, man. Come on. We don't touch no one's heart like that. We don't touch no one's soul like that. Sometimes all my brother needs to know is, yes, the temperature is horrible. Yes, it's cold. Yes, what you're going through is bitter. I got to stop using the words. Yes, all that stuff. So all I could do is, is just spend some time with him. I know what you're going through, kind of, not really, but I'm just here to clothe you whenever you need to feel warm again. Just come and call me. Come over to my house. I'll show, I'll show you one. That's it. But don't think that when I walk away, it's not going to get cold again. 
keep what God's given you. Sometimes that's all I could do. Sometimes that's all we could do. Can you imagine how many more lives you could touch, Danny? Tito, can you imagine how many more lives you could touch? If I asked Tito, how are you doing? And he really just says, you really want me to answer that? This is how I'm really doing. Wow, thank you. Because I definitely needed to know how bad you were doing. It doesn't even make sense. Who are we lying to? Maybe this beautiful life is actually trying to find the beautiful in the beautiful. And that's what makes it awesome. That's what makes it beautiful. Not that all those pictures are true, but that some of those pictures are true in the midst of beautiful. That's what makes it awesome. So the car, the smile, the clothes, the friendships, the pictures you put up, the things that you do, it's, it's all good. I'm not trying to say that those are bad things. But who are you really and what's really going on? What did Job say? Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. That they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And he shall stand at last on this earth. And after my skin is destroyed, I know this. That in my flesh I will see God. Yes, things are bad and things are uncomfortable. Job, yes, I feel discomfort, but ah, my Redeemer lives. Oh, I will see God. Yes, things around me are horrible, but my God is near in the midst of my horrible. Write down my life on pages. Write them down on rocks. I'm Job and I'm not going to fool any of you. My life is horrible sometimes, but man, is God still good. My Redeemer still lives. So I end with this. The greatest example of all humanity is Jesus Christ. And the author of Hebrews gave us a snapshot. Because Jesus is beautiful. His life is beautiful. Right. When Jesus came, it was beautiful. So Hebrews tells us this in chapter 2, verse 17. He says, therefore, it was necessary for Jesus to be made like every respect like us his brothers and sisters so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God and then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people since he himself has gone through suffering come on what gospel are we really preaching he himself went through suffering and testing he himself, Jesus, is able to help us when we are being tested. So Jesus suffered and Jesus was tested all so that he could give you a warm quilt on the day that you are being tested. Jesus suffered so that when we suffer church, he then said, come here. The day's not going to get warmer, but I definitely will appear. I definitely will show up, and I will definitely clothe you with the warm quilt yet again another day, just to get you by again. Your beautiful life is found in your beautiful life. That's the truth, church. So are you filled with discomfort? Awesome. Find comfort in it. Your Redeemer lives. Things are brutal, awesome. Find beauty in it. God is near. Put on the quilt. Who are we kidding, church? Jesus didn't come to live a beautiful life. Jesus came and he walked through the most brutal life. And I'm telling the church today that he wore the warm quilt on a very cold day. And so are we. Nothing has changed. Jesus clothes us with a warm quilt today. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me.
Lord, who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? Who am I really lying to? I experience your beauty in the midst of my discomfort. I experience the rays of the sun in the midst of a rainy day. Who am I kidding? I experience the warmth of God while being in the center. center of famine, the center of being cold. So write my life down on pages. Write my life down on rocks. Because even when my skin is destroyed, even when I'm uncomfortable, my Redeemer lives and you are still near to me. Lord, you know who this word is for today. Probably for all of us. But Holy Spirit, we ask right now, as we worship you, consume, put on the warm quilt on people's lives today. Church, who are you going to front to? Who are you going to lie to? Maybe it's time to just surrender to God and say, here I am, Lord. I'm not going to lie anymore. Here I am. I'm going to invite you to open up your heart. I'm going to invite you to stretch out your hands and surrender. And as we sing this song, worship can give it to you. Listen, I'm not going to open up the altar, but if you need prayer, then just come up. We'll pray for you. I guess we'll open it up and we'll pray for you. Huh? We'll spend time just crying out with you. Huh? I can't make your days warmer, but I could definitely clothe you today with the warm pool and prayer. So if you need it, the altar's open, but if not, if this is for every single person in this room, right there where you're at, open up your hearts. Come on, for the next few minutes, glorify your God. For the next few minutes, say, Lord, make me comfortable in my discomfort. Make me comfortable. Give me comfort, oh God. Come on, church. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him.
this Sunday. I know you've spoken to our hearts, so God. You've spoken to the depth of our soul today, oh God. And Lord, I pray that I, that I will see my discomfort, my unease, my awkwardness, Lord, my pain, and that I could recognize that that could be someone else's salvation. Give it to me to deliver someone else. So Lord, I I thank you for the blessing of the curse. I thank you for the cold days that there's a warm quilt. I thank you that I'm carrying things that maybe not anyone else was to carry, only me. And maybe I explain what I carry properly but in due time Lord God I I know that what I carry and that what I hold there's something beautiful within the brutal and I pray that everyone in here today would see this truth that we leave here encouraged because we recognize that there is a warm quote on very cold days And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you make us warm. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would cover us. We pray that you would give us that favor and that grace for another moment, for another day, for another lesson, for another conversation, for another visit, for another word, for... Lord, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the power of your word. Lord, I stand before your presence and I ask to not necessarily take my discomfort away. But I'm going to try to be brave enough to say this, Lord. Give me the strength to say and pray this and mean it. Give me comfort in the midst of my discomfort. Like Paul prayed, let me experience power in suffering let me experience your might in testing let me embrace the suffering so that I can experience the power thank you Jesus I give you this word I give you this life I give you this church I give you these people I give you me I give you the sounds that happen within these walls I just ask oh it's all yours Lord glorified. Strengthen who needs to be strengthened. Courage today. Thank you for your truth today. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Together, church, we say...